Well, if you have your Bibles with you, I'd invite you to turn uh, once again with me uh, to the book of, of Ruth. Uh, this is our fourth week uh, studying this short book. We will finish out the book of Ruth uh, next week as we close the door uh, on 2020 and, and turn the calendar to 2021. And so we're almost through uh, this short book uh, I hope you've enjoyed it as I prayed. I love that the fact that the Lord has given us stories. And uh, I have loved, as I loved Esther this summer, engaging this story and thinking through its implications for our lives and how the Holy Spirit might use it in each of your heart and minds um, as you listen. On the surface, this has been just that, right? It's been a story. It's been a saga. It's been a drama. It's been this gripping uh, following of, of this family of, of six. That's what we began with. A family of six who through incredible hardship, including a famine, now have been whittled down by circumstances outside of their control to a family of two. Orpa is off, and now it's just Ruth and Naomi. And uh, I hope you've been along for the journey where I don't uh, need to give a full recap of, of where we've been. But as we open up uh, our Bibles today, we return to this pair of, of vulnerable women who are really without nothing, returning to Naomi's homeland and they're desperate to carve out a life for themselves, a future for themselves, in what is essentially a man's world. But remember, as we talked about last week, that the Lord never leaves His people to chance. And even in those times of, of darkness, even in those times of difficulty, he, he calls us, He invites us, He reminds us that His wings are outspread for us to find shelter under. And so last week we began to see Ruth, Ruth, the younger of the two women in our story, beginning to, to pursue that, beginning to press into that, to find refuge in the wings of Yahweh, mercy at the hands of the Lord. And remember Boaz, this new character that was introduced last week, commended her for doing just that. Well, Naomi is learning to do the same thing. And this morning she shows us that hiding in the wings in the refuge of the Almighty doesn't mean passivity. It doesn't mean doing nothing. Trusting in God's sovereignty doesn't mean letting go and let, letting God. It often means bold, even risky faith. And so that's where we're headed today as we pick up this story in Ruth chapter 3. I invite you uh, to follow along with me. The passage will be on the screen behind me. And as is our tradition, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? I'm going to read the entirety of the chapter. Ruth chapter 3. Listen as I read. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, 
and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies and then go, uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. And so she went to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over and behold, a woman lay at his feet and he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. He, if he will redeem you good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. And she held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. And then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did you fare, my daughter? And then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, these six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Well, if you haven't read the book of Ruth before, if you didn't know what was coming next in the story, you are dumbfounded this morning, aren't you? This is a strange turn of events for these two women. We come to this with modern 2020 years and we're like, what in the world is going on here? What is happening? I mean, maybe this is ancient wisdom, long lost ancient wisdom for the modern relationship scene. What do you guys think? I couldn't help but think about how the actions and thoughts of this account might fit into the current books that are out there on the Amazon.com list. Books like, why hasn't he proposed? Go from the first date to setting the date. That's a good title. Or, his cold feet, a guide for the woman who wants to tie the knot and the guy who wants to talk about it later. Or, closing the deal, two married guys reveal the dirty truth about getting your man to commit. Or my personal favorite, the get your man to marry you plan. Buying the cow in the age of free milk. That's a good one, huh? 
And then there's Ruth's contribution to the Amazon relationship scene. The midnight startle and five other subtle ways to make your man commit. Well, that's not what's going on here. Ruth and Naomi and the Holy Spirit who gave us this as the church is not giving a clinic on relationships, but there's something deeper, something much more significant, much more profound happening through this very odd story to our ears. And notice this isn't, it's not all originating from Ruth. It's coming in large measure from, from Naomi. And that's where I want to begin with. That's who I want to begin with this morning is Naomi. There's actually just one truth that I want to camp out on this morning and kind of hang our thoughts on as we walk through this passage as I try to unpack and explain to you what's going on. And the one truth is this. God calls his people to step out in righteous faith. God calls his people to step out in righteous faith. Now I'm going to explain what I mean by that, how I think we see that, and we're going to build upon that. We spoke a lot last week about this concept of, of providence, that not a hair falls from our head without the knowledge and will of our Heavenly Father in heaven. But the Scriptures remind us this morning, and this account reminds us this morning, that that doesn't promote, as I said earlier, that doesn't promote laziness in us or inactivity in us. But no, God calls us, in light of who He is, in light of what He has revealed, to step out in righteous faith. And every one of our characters in this story shows that this morning, especially Naomi. Let's start with her. Just, just think about how much Naomi has changed. In the last couple chapters, she's gone from a bitter woman, characterized by hopelessness at the end of chapter 1, and that, that seems to have been gone. And the paralyzation of chapter 2 has disappeared, and her heart seems to be softening. It, it has indeed softened to God's grace. And she's now uh, filled with some measure of, of compassion, some measure of hope for the future, and And so she begins to make plans. And she is concerned, first of all, for Ruth. My daughter, she says to Ruth. Naomi is not just sulking in bitterness and hopelessness. No, she's wanting to settle Ruth down, wanting to make sure that Ruth has rest, make sure that Ruth has security and and stability with a husband because as I've said before, in the ancient Near East culture, that's exactly what she needs. She needs a husband. She needs offspring. She needs a future. I don't know what Ruth looked like I don't know if she was drop-dead gorgeous or a knockout, but we do know this. She was a Moabite. And a Moabite in Israel is not the greatest catch. While marrying Moabite women was not necessarily forbidden, it was certainly frowned upon. Remember, that's precisely what Naomi's sons had done. They had married Moabite women forgetting about the promises of God. 
So when Naomi, with this Moabite daughter-in-law, comes into Israel, and she sees a, a man in Israel, and not just a man, but a relative in Israel, so, showing some measure of kindness, she thinks to herself, this, this may be it. Right? And you have to go to last week to remember the kindness that Boaz began to show to young Ruth as he told her to stay close to his women so that she could collect grain, stay close to his men so that she would be protected from those who would want to take advantage of her. And so Naomi sees this kindness by Boaz. She knows he's a relative. She thinks this must be it. Now, is she just playing matchmaker? No. What Naomi is doing is taking a step of faith. Naomi is acting in accordance with God's law. Remember, we spoke of this last week when, when Boaz, when she called Boaz a redeemer in chapter 2, verse 20. In the ancient Near East culture, God had made provisions in his law for members of families to be redeemed from their circumstances, whether that be redemption through uh, the taking of a debt, through the indebtedness that someone found themselves in, or if they were being left alone as a, as a widow, without an heir to keep one's descent and family heritage alive. And so in some cases, the law required them to redeem their relatives, and in other cases, it simply depended upon the kindness of the potential redeemer. And Boaz is not first in line. He's not being compelled. He's not required to be her redeemer, but he falls into this latter category. And so what, what is Naomi thinking? Naomi is daring to believe that her step of moving Ruth towards Boaz in accordance with God's law might very well result in God's kindness in providing for her. She's showing us that God calls us to step out in righteous faith. And when I say righteous, I'm not saying perfect faith. I'm saying faith that is right, faith that is the God-honoring thing to do, faith that is in accordance with the Word of God, daring to believe the promises of God and that they might be true for me, that God might do this for me, daring to believe that God will do what He says He will do. There's a phrase that I hear Sometimes people speak of, and, and I don't, I mean, I think they speak of it innocently, and maybe you speak of this sometimes too, but they speak of, of finding God's will for their lives. I need to get into God's will for them. Like God's will is this channel, like you can be walking outside of it, and you need to get in that, you need to get in that channel, you need to get in that will. Now, not everyone means it the way I think sometimes I hear it. But I just think it's a confusing statement because here's the thing, you don't have to find God's will. You don't have to over-spiritualize your decisions. You simply walk in faith. 
You act in obedience to what God has called you to be and what God has called you to do. And then his plan works itself out for you in that. And so God's will for you is revealed to you in his word. Just walk in obedience to his word as best as you can. You're out of God's will for sure if you're doing something that's in direct violation of his word. That's how you know you're not in God's will for sure. But if you're seeking to follow Christ, if you're seeking to walk with Jesus, just walk with him in his word. There's a great little book related to the subject. I think I've told you about this book before. It was written years back. It says, the title is uh, written by a PCA pastor. The title is Just Do Something. But the subtitle is, is the, good, the good title. The subtitle is How to Make a Decision Without Dreams, Visions, Fleeces, Impressions, Open Doors, Random Bible Verses, Casting Lots, Liver Shivers, Writing in the Sky, etc. And it's simply a book about the fact that God calls his people to step out in righteous faith. It's exactly what Naomi was doing, and frankly, it's a bit surprising, isn't it? I mean, Naomi has done this full-on reconnaissance, like she's been sneaking around. She knows where Boaz will be. She has a strategy for what Ruth needs to do. Ruth simply needs to walk in it. And here's where the story gets really, really interesting. Right, it begins by Ruth cleaning herself up, washing herself up. Now, we can view this in one of two ways. One is she's getting all gussied up in order that she might snag a man. I don't think that's what she's doing. I'm sure she wants to smell nice if she's going to lay next to this guy. But I think what she's doing is exactly what David does in 2 Samuel 12, 20. Following the death of David's son, we read this. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes and went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. What's David doing there? He is coming out of mourning. And Ruth is coming out of mourning. She is ready to walk into what the Lord has given her to walk in. So I think this is more than just a seduction tactic, as maybe some have wanted to say it is. Naomi is saying, she is declaring her and Ruth that the time of mourning is over. The time of clinging to the past is over. The Lord has provided us a new opportunity, and let's walk in bold faith towards it. And the rest of the instructions are to our ears. They are no doubt strange. So let me try to explain what's going on. Boaz is going to be at this threshing floor. What's a threshing floor? Well, a, fleshy, thresh, bleh, a threshing floor is this large, flat rock surface where the, grown, where the grain is thrown in the air so that the evening breeze can blow the chaff to separate itself from the grain. So the chaff blows away, the grain falls down. That's where he would be. And after a long hard day's work after a subsequent celebration and relaxation following that hard day work, Boaz and his guys, they would be laying by the threshing floor, not 
out cold drunk or something. They're actually probably laying there to guard the grain until morning to make sure that no one wanders in. And so Ruth is supposed to go there. She's supposed to uncover his feet. Now this is a kind of a mysterious action. Some have said this is a directly sexual move. I don't think it is. I don't think the context leads us to to say that it is. I think for sure this is a move of intimacy for Ruth. She's supposed to go uncover his feet and then wait for him to tell her what to do. Now why Naomi tells her to do all this, we, we we simply don't know all the facts. It seems like a morning breakfast might have been better. Just wait till he's up and then just go greet him, right? Bring him a biscuit. I mean, lying next to a man until he wakes up, that's a little strange. There's so much we don't understand about what's going on. We don't have all the facts that Naomi had, but, but, but I think what is clear is that this is a step of bold, risky faith. I mean, let's turn our attention to Ruth. Ruth, true to form, as she has kind of shown herself to be, she's a woman of humility, she's a woman of faith, she's a woman of obedience and submission to her mother's direction. And yet she had to know how all of this looked. I mean, the risks involved. She just met this man, he was kind to her, She'd been hanging out with his people. But now a foreign woman snooping around a group of Israelite men in the middle of night, smelling nice and settling down for the night next to one of them. What would they think? What would they think? And yet she too presses forward in bold faith. Boaz wakes up. Do you notice that she she veers from what Naomi told her to do? Rather than waiting for, for Boaz to speak and to tell her what to do, which is what Naomi said, she actually boldly requests, she says, spread your wings. Some, garment, uh, some translations say garment. Spread your garment, spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Ruth is asking Boaz, through the symbolism of that ancient culture, to enter into a relationship with her, a relationship of of protection and provision. And this is in the middle of the night, because he's got cold feet, literally, and has woken up startled. Now, Boaz could have responded in a couple different ways. He could have misinterpreted her midnight presence and driven her away. He could have been offended at her brazen request and said, woman, get out of here and don't ever come back to my fields again. How dare you be so bold? Ruth had to know these reactions were possible from Boaz. And yet she walks boldly to what God has held out for her. It's interesting to note that she uses the phrase, spread your wings. Some translations, as I said, say garments. Others say wings. The word is actually used 34 times in the Old Testament. Only all but four of them say wings. And so I love that imagery of spread your wings because it reminds us of a remark that Boaz made in chapter 2, verse 12. 
a symbolism that we camped out on, right? Find refuge in the shade of his wings. And Ruth takes that prayer that Boaz prayed for her and she turns it back to him and essentially asks him to be the fulfillment of his own prayer. As he called her to find refuge in the wings of the Almighty, in the wings of her Redeemer, she says, you are that Redeemer. I need your wings. See, what I want you to see this morning is that these are women of faith, risk-taking, bold, dreaming what God might do. But that brings us to Boaz. How is Boaz going to respond to all of this? Remember, he's not required to do anything. There's a relative that is closer to him, or it's closer to Ruth than him. And yet in the middle of the night, with groggy eyes, he does the righteous thing. He faithfully walks in obedience to the Lord through what the Lord has opened up for him. Indeed, he counts it a privilege. He says, it is a great kindness to this older man to have a younger woman by his side. He will continue to have compassion. He will raise the stakes on his compassion. He will take risks himself in order to do what is right and to protect her. He will really declare it in the morning. That's next week. We'll get there. But it will begin tonight with the protection of Ruth's reputation, with further provision for her needs. Don't tell anyone. Go back with plenty for your mother. Brothers and sisters, it's true that, that you don't plan your lives. But you do plan your days. And today and every day, God calls you to step out in righteous faith. In obedience to who he has revealed himself to be. In obedience to what he has called you to be as his people. Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And in that chapter, it goes on to chronicle all these figures that have had the faith to believe and to walk in obedience to what God had called them. Ruth and Naomi are not there in Hebrews 11, but they could be. They're another example, as is Abraham, as is Joseph. So what does that look like for you sitting here today, sitting in your living rooms today in 2020? I, I don't know specifically. Maybe it's taking that next risky step in making yourself really known to someone. Maybe it's saying those words to another that have been needed to be said for so very long and you just haven't had the courage to do it. Maybe it's taking that stand for integrity at work or in your neighborhood that you have hesitated to make. Oh, I can't promise, and God's Word doesn't promise, that, that every step of bold, risky faith will end in the way that you hope or will end in a storybook ending. 
But God does want you to believe, to dare to believe that what He says is true. But as I've said all along, this story is much bigger than two women of faith and a kinsman redeemer of faith. This story is about the one who we celebrate today and every Lord's Day. The one to whom this all points. You see, God still in this story is writing a larger story. He is writing the story of the coming Messiah. And for all of the shining, God-given faith, the star of this drama is still the one to whom it points. For when Ruth invites the protection of Boaz, we see ourselves, at least we ought to see ourselves, poor and needy at the foot of the cross. Let me remind you of these words that the Lord said to his people in Ezekiel 16, 8. And when I passed by you again and I saw you, says the Lord, behold, you were at the age for love and I spread out the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you and I entered into covenant with you, declares the Lord God, and you became mine. So when I say to you this morning, when I encourage you from God's word this morning that God calls his people to step out in righteous faith, the faith that you are first and foremost called to step out to is to embrace the Redeemer, Jesus. The one who spreads out his wings of refuge for you. Boaz's kindness to an undeserving foreigner points us to a love, a love that set aside the glories of heaven in order to be born, in order to be made flesh, in order to be Emmanuel, God with us. Well, this passage is not about advice to how to win your man. It's not a passage ultimately about walking in faith. It's the account of how you and I have been won by the relentless pursuit of a loving God. So as we come to the week of Christmas... I encourage you to marvel again. Marvel anew at the wonder of Jesus. Come for us. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for this beautiful love story which points us to the love story of all love stories. The story of the God who created us pursuing us through the person and work of Jesus, offering us protection, offering us not just a corner of your garment, but robes of righteousness for us to envelop all of our sin and all of our need. 
Father, even this week as we celebrate Jesus putting on flesh for us, we rejoice that Jesus now invites us to put himself on us. And indeed, we we hide ourselves in him this day and all our days. And it's because we are secure in who you have said that we are. Because you have proved yourself so believable in time and in space through the sending of Jesus. It's because of that that we can we can indeed walk in faith. Bold, risky faith. Knowing that we're secure. Knowing that your promises are true. Oh, Father, I pray that you would impress these things on your people. Whatever they're experiencing, whatever anxieties or hesitancies they're experiencing, Father, I pray that you would comfort them by your word. Comfort them by this truth. This I pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.